You're listening to AccidentalMuslims.com Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh This is Nazir Jamal and welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com from the east coast of South Africa in sunny Durban AccidentalMuslim.com is a platform and a movement that we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. We hope to add value to your life, so listen up and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You are listening to Accidental Muslims and I am Muhammad Shahan from Startup Grind. So today we speak to an amazing character here in Durban. Muhammad Shahan is the managing director at Startup Grind Durban and the founder of a digital consultancy. Previously, he has worked as a business development manager at RSA Web and has completed a bachelor's degree in commerce from UKZN. He has also worked at SmartTrack, which is a management consultancy, Black Ticket Creative Bureau, which is a brand consultancy, and KPMG. Well, welcome. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to Mohammed. Wa alaikum salam. How are you, Nazir? I'm well, man. I'm glad uh, you're giving us your precious time. Uh, today, thanks uh, thanks for joining us at AccidentalMuslims.com. I'm very humbled to be part of this uh, great initiative. And although I feel that there are much better Muslims out there in the community doing much better stuff than I'm doing, uh, I, I really appreciate that you, you you think of me and having me on your show. Thanks. Uh, so let's start. I mean, how would you describe your childhood uh, as a young child growing up here in this beautiful city of Devon? All right. Uh, I was born uh, in the in the struggle in uh, in, in apartheid. Um, actually, just one year of apartheid in 1989. And uh, my parents, my parents, about one one year afterwards, we moved to England. So I stayed in England for two years, and I was very close to getting a England uh, a British citizenship, but my parents decided uh, against it. But growing up as a child, it was quite difficult because when I came back from England, I had a British accent. Uh, and <laughs> I was made fun of by my family and friends and I found it very difficult to, to fill in and, and, and fit in in school. And uh, schooling was, was, was difficult for me in a way because I had something called ADHD. Um, and funny story is, um, it, 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 I mean, I, I was on Ritalin and, 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 and so forth. And when I was in primary school, my, my mom said, you know, she, a doctor told her that you must take him off those tablets and drugs and get him to swimming. And I started swimming then. Um, so you stopped the tablets and you uh, uh, Yeah, and it's the, same, it's the same as what Michael Phelps' mom did. Michael Phelps' mom uh, had the same issue with Michael Phelps, that he had ADHD and he was very naughty, uh, which was probably me as well. <laughs> and he got into swimming and it helped him uh, fight uh, that 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 uh, that problem of uh, not concentrating and and, and, and and so forth. Yeah. And my childhood swimming was probably one of the biggest uh, things in my in my life. Uh, I spent probably every single afternoon, uh, six days, five days a week, plus Saturday mornings in a pool. Um, and it helped me uh, a lot. It helped me stay away from a lot of bad things in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was so concentrated. I was so focused on my swimming. Mm. It helped me stay away from drugs. It helped me stay away from every, everything that was wrong. And that was probably the best thing that happened to me in my life. Alhamdulillah. Well, that's already a, a start of a, of a journey that I'm, I'm sure has shaped you in, in the way you think and, and act at this moment in time. Yeah, when, when, when I jump in a pool, uh, um, 
if you know how lane swimming works, there's no, there's no other distractions. It's just your head facing down, you yeah. got a lane, and you have to get to the other side. Yeah. And uh, there's a reason why swimming uh, is a sunnah. I, I, I honestly, and this is just me, it's my opinion, I, I feel the same way about swimming as about beating Salah. It, I get the same feeling. Uh, it, it, there's something within my soul that that, 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 that space, that, 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 space, that connection, yeah. as I'm doing the movements of Salah, as I'm swimming and doing the movements, I feel a very similar connection. SubhanAllah. So, I mean, you attended a non-Islamic school uh, here in South Africa, in Durban. How did you acquire your, your Islamic education then? All right. I went to, to Westville Boys, uh, which is a school in, uh, in, in Durban. And um, it took up a lot of my time. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I did stop Majessa at the age of uh, 13, 12 years old. And because I was so involved in swimming, I was involved in the sport as well. Um, probably one of the only Muslim guys at that time playing rugby. Uh, I was quite a rebel in school, so I saw all the Muslim guys going to play soccer, and yeah. I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to play rugby. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there were some days, there were some days, Nazir, when I used to wake up and uh, I would have a swimming training in the morning. I'd go to school. I'd have rugby training afterwards, True. and straight after that, I'd have another swimming uh, training session. And my entire school life, I'd come home at half past seven, eight o'clock, uh, just on that minor sport. So, unfortunately, at that time, my Islamic studies did take a bit of a back step. But, as I mentioned earlier, um, I think swimming kept me away uh, from everything else. So, it helped develop my character in, in, in a way. Yeah. So, I, I, I felt I had a very strong willpower to, 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 to fight off a lot of the negative traits that affect the youth these days. Um, and a funny story is... Um, my, 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 my path to, 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 to becoming more uh, closer to, to Allah, yeah. and um, I'm Searching. still very far away, I'm still very yeah. far away, but I, uh, my, my path actually started off with a very unique story. Um, I was sitting in the car one day, and I had my CDs, and I was listening to music, and there's rave music, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobbing and, uh, your head. <laughs> and, I had a, and I had a whole bunch of CDs, and I was just putting it in and taking it out of my car, and... Uh, one day it was a, a blank CD, I didn't know what was on it, and I put it on. I'm like, okay, cool, this must be like, I don't know, that time, DJ Tiesto or something like that. Yeah. And it was a, the entire Ramadan collection of Mufti Mink giving uh, probably one of his best Ramadan talks. It was on the story, it was on the reasons of revelation, the, which they, they, they call, um, what is the term for it now? Asbabu Nuzul. Right. Um, and I put it in the car, and that, that, that CD transformed my life. Uh, I became, I, I said, you know what, like, this is my part uh, I'm going to take now and then I had to start searching and it was, it was that. So how old were you at that time? I was probably just finished first year university oh, um, and I, I really read into it and then I'm like, I downloaded all the Mufti Minks, my <laughs> 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 talks, I started reading up more about Islam, I started going to the mosque. Uh, uh, more and uh, the second thing I would say, uh, Nazir, that helped me in my Islamic studies and where I learned a lot from was from the Muslim Students Association. Okay. Um, when I was in university, we had very cool people like Taskia Amra and them uh, involved with the Muslim Students Association. Yeah. And I got to learn a lot from uh, from the program they, 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 that they had. Yeah. And just the people, because sometimes the people around you shape like what you know and Absolutely. learn and because I, I, I try to spend a lot of time around them yeah. uh, because I, I think they were much better much more educated than me I try and learn as much as I could yeah. um, even so though to feed off them, yeah. there were some pictures of me at some MSA camps showing pictures I was, I was learning <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean you, at university well, let's talk about that you 
you studied marketing. Was this a course that you always thought you were going to get to and, and, and go to? So, a bit of an embarrassing story. I was always passionate about marketing. I was very, very passionate about marketing. Yeah. I, I love marketing because... I love I love the psychology of marketing, the ability to 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 to, to, to manipulate with a few colors and pictures, <laughs> <laughs> manipulate certain scenarios and environments, um, and then I I, uh, I I still use those strategies I learned in, in marketing these days. Uh, in fact, after this interview, I'm going to play uh, the sport I really love now, indoor cricket, and uh, I know for a fact that marketing strategy that you need to have sometimes a lot of different colors or a lot of uh, uh, different mechanisms or, or to keep things fresh. Yeah. Um, so one of the strategies I use as the captain of my indoor cricket team is uh, we bowl a fast bowler, a spin bowler, a leg spin bowler <laughs> and an off spin bowler. And Run after each other. And, and, and yeah, one after <laughs> each other. And by the fourth over, the batsman's out on like negative six or negative nine or so. And uh, that's just what I love about it. I, I, I love the whole the strategy, strategy, yeah. the strategy about marketing. Yeah. Um, I started studying uh, marketing at university and then I got like one of the highest marks in accounting. Oh, wow. Okay. And then um, the devil took me on the wrong path and I decided <laughs> to go and say, you know what, maybe I should just do chartered accountant, become a chartered accountant. Okay. And I did that for about two years and I'm like, you know what, I made a wrong decision. This is not for me. <laughs> I'm going back to the marketing. Are you serious? So yeah. You went back? I went back. So I, yeah. I had actually, actually spent another year, to, uh, year or so at university catching up. But I don't know. Uh, I feel as year the... Um, the university system has a lot that needs to be worked on. Okay. Uh, to be honest, if I look at my, my courses that, I, that I've done, I've done accounting courses, I've done marketing courses, I think out of all of them, I think there's only one course that I still remember that still helps me out in my life. Everything else has become irrelevant. Mm. Um, either because the world has changed or because you cannot apply some of the stuff in, in, in real life. Mm. And the one course it was, it was called Integrated Business Studies. And it was uh, a really cool course. You could go and um, start a business uh, in a group and you get presented and you get marked on how you, how you analyze and create a business. But the one thing that taught me uh, in that course was uh, critical thinking. So we were, as, as, as part of our, our, our exercises and work, mm-hmm. we had to bring a newspaper article and you had to analyze it. Yeah. And we had to see if the journalist was writing from both sides of the story. Uh, was he mentioning both sides of the issue? Yeah, and, 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 and that's something that ingrained in my mind, like, I mean, up until this day. When I, when I try and think about issues, when I, when I read newspaper articles, um, it's, it's not the same. Um, in fact, I, I have a theory, Nazir, that journalism today is going down. From, I remember back then at university when I used to, to read the Mercury or read the news online and stuff. Journalists used to write both sides of the story. They used to write both sides of the story. So if something happens, if the incident happens, they'll get the one person's view and they'll get the person who, 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 who's against that view. Yeah. Now, these days, it's, they, give, they give your views in the headline. Yeah. Um, and I find that very problematic. In, in it's society. stated for you already. And, and yeah. That's what, but but, but yeah. yeah, that's uh, come back to my point is that I think the university system has a lot that needs to be worked on, especially in my field where, where I'm working on now. I sort of, the more I'm, I, I get involved in, in, in startup grind and, and, and so forth, I see the irrelevancy of uh, uh, a university degree. You spoke about the MSA and your work with MSA. Yeah. At university, were you quite socially active? Um, and and how, how important do you think this is for students to, to actually be involved in societies and projects? Okay, so in my first year, um, the MSA was quite active. Um, and then it, that was in Howard College. I was in University of Durban, Westville. 
and we didn't really have a, a, a MSA at Westville campus. We had something called the uh, Islamic Society, okay. and uh, I don't really know what they were doing. <laughs> but anyways, we didn't really have an MSA. Um, and my friend Lukman and I one day, one day it was actually Nelson Mandela Day. So my friend Lukman, Mandra and I said, listen, uh, let's go and do something at Punelak uh, orphanage for, for uh, as a Muslim community. We weren't part of any organization. We were just two two guys. Uh, we had a lot of friends on campus, yeah. and we went and and, and, and and did it. And we had about 60, 70 students come in. And one day he called me and said, "Listen, let's launch the MSA uh, together." Yeah. And uh, so he and I, I said, I told I told Lukman, "Listen, I'll help you out. Let's do it as a, a sort of co co director kind of thing." But after one year, I'm out because, you know, I'm, I'm almost Doesn't leaving change. university yeah. and, and so forth. So, yeah, we re-established uh, the MSA uh, on uh, on University of Durban Westville. Uh, it was quite good. I got to travel to Johannesburg, got to meet uh, quite a few interesting people. Mm. Uh, we got camps going again, and uh, it was great to be part of that. The friends I made in MSA are the friends I have uh, I had Since in life. Today. And yeah. probably some of my best friends I met was in MSA. Yeah, actually. But how important is it for students to be involved, do you think? I think, I think Nazir, it is very, very important. I think uh, the skills that I learned in MSA, and I, people are going are gonna to say, question me on this, but the skills I learned in MSA were better than the skills I learned from studying uh, from a university textbook. I study a university textbook, the lecturer comes there, reads from the textbook, uh, and, and gives tips at the end of the semester, and you go and learn it, and it goes from one year and gets, yeah. comes at the other year. And yeah. I mean, you don't really apply it in your life afterwards. The skills I learned in the MSA organizing a uh, Ramadan uh, event or yeah. campaign or you know dealing with uh, Radio Al Ansar and, and, and just all those skills I still use those I I, I still remember those skills and um, in fact we had a massive tower once um, and I remember that I said you know what I'm gonna go all out for this massive tower mm-hmm. um, so. I got one of the popular speakers here in, in Durban, Harvest for Zale. I got Radio Alansar to come in live. I went and used all the marketing knowledge that I learned at that, that time, integrated marketing communication. I used radio advertising. At that time, social media just started out, but I went all out. I got everybody in the MSA to change their profile pictures into my... <laughs> <laughs> and then we had 500 people in the quad <laughs> at, in, uh, in Ramadan. Uh, for the for the massive tower and it was something that I, I, I remembered um, up until this day how important it is to have an integrated marketing communications plan in your business uh, environment yeah. so you can't only rely on social media uh, I learned this when I launched Startup Grind because as Johannesburg and Cape Town people are more technologically advanced here in Durban people still read the newspaper yeah and it just it's just a fact so when people when people are launching businesses when people are launching ideas they must go on social media and they must, they must advertise on social media. So it's very powerful. But don't forget the printing press. Don't forget the newspapers and stuff. You need to have both sides of the coin. You need to remember radio is still out there and it's still, it's still a very powerful medium out there in, in, uh, in, in Durban. So utilize all of that. And I, I, I learned all of that from MSA. That's, that, that's pretty impressive. Now, um, you were also, while you were studying rather, you were working for your family business. Uh, and generally with family businesses, um, you're normally groomed at a young age to be the new management that's coming, right? Was this a long-term plan for you and your family? Uh, no, it was not. I, what happened was I finished university and I could not find a job. Um, so 
uh, what happens when a Muslim guy, when the Muslim boy finishes uh, university and can't find a job, he goes into the family business. Yeah. And I, I spent a few, few months there and I didn't really enjoy it. And one day I said, you know what, I, I can't handle this anymore. I have to, I have to leave. Yeah. And I was out of university for like maybe six months or so. So I, I looked at all the top marketing companies uh, in South Africa and Jupiter Drawing Room came up. So I gave them a call. Uh, and I said, um, they listen, uh, my college requires me to do a one-month free internship or so at, uh, at your company. Uh, can you please, uh, you know, make a plan? And they said, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. They didn't even ask me what college I was in, right? Yeah. So <laughs> they said, yeah, just come here at this, from this time to this time. And, 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 and yeah, we got and some work for you. Cape Town. It was in Cape Town, yeah, yeah. So I used my own money at that time to fly in Cape Town. Uh, go, uh, I, I spent one month there. And when I got back, a lot of marketing companies started contacting me because yeah. I had that one month experience. And I think it's a great lesson there for, 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 for people is that uh, you can't just expect things on your plate. You have to go out there sometimes and make a plan and not earn anything before you start, you start, you start, you start earning something. Do things that people don't want to do yeah. and, uh, and, and then you can get somewhere in life. Especially when you start now, it's a hard work that you've got to knock down, exactly, get those exactly, years over exactly. and you'll see how it goes. And that's, that brings up the question of, these positions you had before the, the one you're currently in, so you worked for KPMG, yeah. Jupiter Drawing Room in Cape Town, Smart Track, yeah. Black Ticket Brand Consultancy. Yeah. I'm sure there must, these opportunities shaped you in some way or shaped your future in some way. Do you believe so? Yes, they did. They did a lot. Uh, when I was at KPMG, I did an internship there as well. And I realized I cannot sit in, like, in the office we're sitting in now, Nazir, yeah. you sit there for one month uh, doing an audit, audit and not moving from there, like get, get stepping out, coming back in, stepping out, coming back in. But that's, and you go to 12 different companies like that. And I said, you know what, this is not for me. I cannot do something like this. I don't want to be in corporate afterwards. Um, so I got into marketing and um, I, I think the two companies that really helped me out and see, uh, to see that uh, corporate isn't the only option was Black Ticket and, and Smart Track. Uh, Black Ticket was, uh, they're two very young companies, very innovative Muslim companies here in South Africa, in Durban. And they're very entrepreneurial as well. So I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot of skills um, to develop apply and develop my, my entrepreneurial knowledge. Yeah. And I think uh, it, it, it made me think about the fact that, hey, listen, I don't really have to go out and get a job. I must go out there and create jobs. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was really good. It was really good. I also went and worked for RSA Web in uh, Cape Town. Uh, I spent about two or three years with, with Black, Black Ticket and yeah. I said, you know what, maybe it's time for me to do, to do something else. So I got a job at RSA Web and I, even though I promised myself not to go to corporate again, <laughs> I went there and I, I spent three months there. I'm like, you know what, I cannot be working in corporate. Um, in fact, funny story is uh, I, was, I was running Startup Grind uh, yeah. while I was working in Cape Town. Okay. And the company was quite happy for me to do that because they wanted businesses, they wanted business in Durban. So they'll fly me down once a month, they'll pay my, 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 for, my, for my travels and, and whatnot, yeah. and, I, and I'll fly, uh, fly back. Uh, but at one stage, I was more successful with Startup Grind than I, was, than, than I was actually enjoying the work that I was doing in Cape Town. Yeah. So I said, you know what, this is not going to be very sustainable. I have to drop one of them. Um, and I decided to, to, to leave that position. So with all the experience you've gained throughout the years, uh, you've now secured a wonderful position as Managing Director at uh, Google Startup Grind South Africa. Uh, is it Google that's actually running this entire thing? And, and tell us more about it. Okay, sure. So let me explain to you the story of how I got involved and then I'll explain to you the concept of Startup Grind. 
I used to live in Cape Town, and Cape Town, as you know, has a great startup scene going on. You know, you walk down the streets of Woodstock or Main Road, and there's people pitching you their ideas, there's people uh, working for startups, there's people wanting to hire you at startups, and there was events going on every, every single day of the week, there were events inspiring and motivating entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurship is a quite a difficult road. It's a very, very difficult road. You need that sort of community out there to, to, to love you. Um, which is exactly what our, our forefathers, our grandfathers and, uh, and so forth did when they came to South Africa. They supported each other in starting out businesses. And I, I, when I moved back to Durban, I didn't find the same thing going on. And it was disappointing, you know, I missed that. I missed going around talking to my friends about entrepreneurship, about startups, about business in general. You know, it was just uh, the usual talk that was going on. I didn't find the same scene. And funny enough, in that week, the same week, I was on the Startup Grind website and I noticed that they wanted to open up more chapters and they wanted to open up one in, in Durban. And so I applied. I applied and I forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. Yeah. And I applied. I filled in the application forms and, 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 and so forth. And I got an email back and saying, you know what, you've gone to the first round of interviews. I'm like, okay, cool. I went to the first round, second round, third round. And I went to the final round. And the, the, the founder of Startup Grind, who's based in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, asked me, Mohammed, why do you want to do this? Yeah. And I said, listen, there's nothing going on, going on in Durban. I want to change the entrepreneurial environment and ecosystem in Durban. Yeah. Uh, I just want somewhere to go once a month where I can meet cool people, like-minded people, and learn from them. And he said, you know what, that's a great idea, and you've got the franchise. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? I can't believe it. <laughs> and then, then he's like, yeah. He was, like, he was very quiet, and he's like, yes, but part of our test uh, is that you have three weeks to launch your first event. Sure. And so I had to rush around, you know, uh, try and get this venue, event going, this venue, everything. speakers, and so yeah. forth. And the first event, we had about 50 people coming to the, to the event. Uh, I think about 48 and a half people were probably uh, family, friends, and cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Connection <laughs> Yeah, I think the speaker brought about uh, 10 people there as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a small event, but we grew. We grew afterwards to a degree where really. Startup Grind Durban was the second biggest event in the world at one stage. What? Uh, yes, it was the second biggest event in the world. And history. we've had uh, numbers that nowhere else, not New York, not, uh, not Los Angeles, not... This not the strangest per- thing I've <laughs> ever heard. And, and there's a reason for that, Nazir. There's a reason for that because Durban, people don't really concentrate on. People are hungry for knowledge here. Absolutely. They are absolutely hungry for knowledge. If you know what to tell them, if you know what to sell, sell to them, if you know what they want, they're absolutely hungry for knowledge. And it's all about uh, presenting it to them in a beautiful, beautiful way. Yeah. And uh, I think that's very important. Even from an Islamic point of view, is that whatever you do, you present things in a beautiful way. Yeah. And which is why I'm quite passionate about good design, for example. Because... If you notice, you'll notice uh, the, the, the Muslim organizations that spend a lot of money on good design and stuff. Somehow or the other, they're always me- uh, spreading a, a message of love and, 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 and doing good work. And they last longer. Yeah. Whereas the Muslim organizations that don't really spend a lot on, on, on that and don't really focus on it, you'll see that somehow or the other, there'll be controversy, contro- contro- controversies, yeah. it won't be sustainable, mm-hmm. and it'll fall away. 
So it's very important to always present uh, the, the, whatever you guys are doing in a, in a, in a, in a, in a beautiful way, yeah. which is what we did with Startup Grind. We made it awesome, we made it fun, we made it cool. It was the active strategy to, 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 to go and do that. Yeah. We made it, and it, it, we almost made it uh, into an event that you had to be in. Yeah. That if you weren't in there, you were, you, were, you, were, you were left out, you know. You weren't learning what you were learning. You weren't meeting the people. We were, you weren't you, connected. Yeah, you weren't yeah. connected. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that that's, that, 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 that's important for, for, for people out there to be cognitive of. It's fantastic. So now it's spread across the country. Yeah. Uh, you've got three events that happen every month across the country. So, in fact, um, so I run the one in Durban. Um, there's, we have other directors in Joburg, uh, Cape Town, Pretoria, Bloemfontein, and now Polakwane, and spoke to a lady yesterday, and we had an event yesterday. We had this really cool founder, uh, Jasper Pons, who who basically built a drone, an indoor drone that can save companies a million a million rand or so on uh, stock count and on audits. Sure. So the drone just flies around and does the stock count for uh, for the company. And I met a, a lady there yesterday who told me that she wants to start one in Petimarisburg. So hopefully that, 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 that comes out soon. And so I, I, I don't, I oversee the whole of South Africa, but I don't uh, actively uh, run Engage. those chapters. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, this leads to a question of Muslims in the entire uh, entrepreneurship uh, space. Yeah. Uh, is it a great representation? As I mentioned earlier, I was I'm quite passionate about the historical uh, input of our grandfathers who came down from uh, the subcontinent and started businesses here and contributed yeah. to 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 building up people. And in fact, uh, my my great great grandfather, uh, great grandfather, um, he was uh, he came here illegally via via Mauritius, okay. and he had a flat in Durban. And when people used to come uh, from India to, to South Africa uh, to do for work, he would house them in, in, in this flat for about six weeks so the British don't catch them. And then he'll send them to like farm towns like Dundee and, and, and so forth. Yeah. So they're off the radar. And then they pitch up one year later uh, to, to, to start a business. And that's how many Muslims actually came into, oh. came into Durban. Yeah. And it's, it was the support that people gave to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's... it's and I think what's happening now in Nigeria is there's so much of emphasis out there in the media, out there in society, out there in the Muslim society and communities that you must go to university after you finish school and then get a job at a big company and then settle down and get married and then, you know, live your life. Yeah. Uh, we, the Muslim community is sort of losing that entrepreneurial spirit yeah. and, 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 and that, that, that we had. And it's because of that, that entrepreneurial spirit we have such good relations with the government in this uh, in this country, yeah. uh, because if you look at what the Muslim businesses did, they supported the struggle yeah. in uh, in a way. Um, they financially, financially yeah. even I mean, uh, they housed a lot of people as well. And and, and uh, is is that story with uh, with uh, Justice Minister Zondo? Yes, it's, it's stories like that, yeah. that 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 motivate me and, and inspire me about the Muslim community. And I think. One of my, my, my dreams is to make sure that the spirit of entrepreneurship uh, in, within the Muslim community is always growing. And it's always growing to, to, in, in, in the right direction as well. We don't want to create Muslim businesses that go out there and damage the environment. Yeah. Uh, I see, uh, I'm going to mention this, is that a lot of Muslim 
Muslim women and, and girls are getting into makeup, have they critically gone out and said, where is the makeup coming from? Is it coming from ethical source, uh, sources? Yeah. Is, it, is it damaging the environment? Are they, are, are they destroying a forest somewhere in Borneo? Yeah. I mean, these are questions that we Muslims need to be asking yeah. uh, in creating our products. We don't want to be selling something, making money, while a slave labor going going on in 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 another country, you know. And then from a marketing perspective, you could use that to market your product, saying, "Listen, this is all environmentally exactly, friendly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's the Islam that that that, that I, I I I that's the, my understanding of Islam is that we need to be ethical in everything we're doing. Absolutely. Uh, not only just the the, the, the halal, halal and toyib. Yeah, halal and toyib. <laughs> well, I mean, bringing about this, the topic of Islam, you're a passionate reader of Islamic history. Yeah. Uh, tell us more about the stuff that you've read and, and, and your experiences there. Okay, all right. Uh, so I, I've been reading, uh, started reading some articles online. In fact, one of the, uh, the, the books I, I've read was Lost Islamic History, which is quite a cool book by Firas Al-Atib, I think his name is. Okay. Um, so he's the author of, uh, of Islamic History, of Lost Islamic History. And I was I was quite passionate to see the the role of the Muslims in the past uh, into creating our civilization today. Um, so I, I was quite passionate about that. But as I was reading up about it and going around and 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 and, and so forth, um, I also found that our own Muslims we tended to romanticize our Islamic history. We tended to to say, hey, listen, this is what happened. You know, it was so awesome in the uh, Ottoman uh, Empire. I know the, the Abbasid Empire was the first empire in the world. And we, yeah. we, we ruled the world then. And, 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 everything, and, and, was perfect. and everything was perfect. Yeah. I guarantee you, in my, in my limited understanding of Islamic history, when I'm reading that, I believe that the people would be very happy if they lived in, 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 in today's time. Yeah. We got good health. We got good education. We got freedom of speech. We can do what we can do. We can, we can go around and travel. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good happening in, 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 in today's world. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and for me, I find it a problem. I find it a problem that, that, we, that there are Muslims out there that are romanticizing Islamic history and are not being factual from all sources. Yeah. They, 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 they just giving one version of it to get their point across, yeah. which I and think if, is wrong. And if there was failures, there was lessons we can learn from that. Exactly, exactly. We need to talk about those failures. We need to see what went on. Because, I mean, even uh, Muhammad uh, al-Fati or Muhammad Mehmed the Conqueror yeah. uh, of Constantinople, I mean, he was even predicted by uh, the Prophet of Islam in Hadith to go and conquer Constantinople. They, yes. they said that the conqueror of Constantinople would be a great leader and uh, and his army and people would be a great people. Mm. And the Ottomans were uh, a great people. They lost they were the longest lasting empire in the world. Well, they lasted right. for for what 800 years, 700 years. Easily, yeah. Yeah. Um, and but there is also a very unromantic version of it because in coming into power, he wrote that. Whenever a Ottoman uh, sultan comes into power, he must kill all his brothers. So that was going on up until the 17th century. As soon as the Ottoman uh, yeah. sultan came into power, yeah. he would go and uh, send his troops to go and strangle all his brothers. Uh, and I think which, which obviously doesn't relate to what the Islamic principles would be. Exactly, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, it comes down to another important point, Nazir, is people need to talk about failures more. People need to talk about uh, failures in history. People need to talk about failures in business because in it's, it's yeah. in life, in, 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 in everything. And that's how you learn uh, and go, from, go, uh, go forward.
So, alhamdulillah, you're below 30 years old. You've achieved right. such greatness in such a short time. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> My opinion. No, no. <laughs> so, do you think there's a sufficient space for young Muslims to be developed and groom for leadership? How do you generate interest in, uh, for young Muslims to be active citizens in their country or communities? That's a very good question, Azir. And I think what Muslim youngsters need to do these days is to develop critical thinking. And one way of doing that is to read, uh, to read a lot, to read a lot of books, and make sure they're very, very well read. Um, something I'm struggling with at the moment is just pick up a book and read without getting distracted. Yeah. Um, Can I watch a video rather? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I, I think it's 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 very important for for Muslim youth out there to pick up to make sure that they're very well read and 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 keep their spirit of reading. And, and, and education high. Uh, wh- one of the stories that, that, um, that quite fascinates me is when you go to masjids in Turkey and Malaysia, you'll find that the, the masjids are full. Um, you'll find the, the, the level of Islam is quite high. Uh, even though Turkey is a, secular, is, yeah. is a bit of a secular state, yeah. uh, the masjids are still quite full. Yeah. And what is the reason? Uh, there are other Muslim countries out there that are, that are applying Sharia in a much more stricter way than those countries. The reason is is because those Muslims are very highly educated. They focus on education, yeah. which is also why they're one of the most stable countries, Muslim countries out there in the world today. Malaysia and um, and, and and Turkey are quite high ranking in terms of their their social justice and and and, 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 and so forth. So I think Muslim youth need to make sure that they they're very well educated, they're very well read. Not only reading what the the system gives you. Yeah. Uh, not only reading what uh, school school books gives you, not only reading what the university gives you. You must go out there and, and read opposing views. Uh, one of the things that inspires me was Imam Al Ghazali. Uh, he wrote uh, a book on philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, and at that time he made philosophy like very simple, like you know, like one of those dummies. Uh, that, uh, philosophy philo- philo- yeah, philosophy with dummies <laughs> books, yeah. and the scholars were like, "How can you do that? You know, it's it's, you, you know, yeah. you, you're making philosophy too easy for people. You're gonna mislead people, and then and, and, and so forth." But he said he didn't say anything, and then he wrote a book called "The Incongruence of the Philosopher." He wrote <laughs> everything is wrong with philosophy, <laughs> so he he went in and understood one point, and then he completely uh, uh, no, took another yeah. point, yeah. and he was able to understand both points, and I think. Going ahead, we need Muslim youth to go out there and become religious, become understand Islamic studies and so forth, but also go and study biology, go and study uh, Science. sciences and to bring out those narratives. Because these days, I mean, if you go and speak to some of these um, secularists uh, and, 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 and atheists, Yes, they're very, uh, they're completely off, but they're very highly educated. Yeah. And I, I as a Muslim, wouldn't go out there and debate these guys because they'll, they'll just... Rattle away. Rattle yeah. away and, 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 and completely dominate. In fact, even if most of our scholars go out there and, 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 and try and, and, and speak to them, they're very, 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 very educated. And uh, we need to come up with a counter-narrative. And I think that's very important. And I think Muslims need to go out and do something like that. That's wonderful advice. Uh, and we'll make dua for our young people that we challenge the narrative and we get out there. Yeah, people like space. yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's get to more of the, the other kind of questions. Um, one of them is a funny moment in life. I would love okay. for you to share more about any funny moment in life. Okay, this is a very, very embarrassing story, Nazir. But I I let's it. go out there and, 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 and do it. You know, uh, Maybe people can learn a lesson. Uh, 
Enjoy the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm giving the lesson before I tell the story. Just enjoy the moment, right? <laughs> don't get don't get too hyped up. So I used to take swimming quite seriously as a as a youngster, and I I made level two finals for a swimming competition. So I was in the finals of lane five. If I won that race, and I, and I was I was the fastest swimmer there, so I was I was gonna be in level one at some point or other if I won the race. And my times were faster than anybody, and I was I was I was I was there to win so we were sitting in the tent uh, I was had my, my my eyes down you know I was listening and, 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 and making making sure I was quite amped up and stuff yeah. and getting myself into the zone um, and suddenly I just hear Mohammed Chahan lane 5 and now uh, there was 4,000 people in that stadium and I'm sitting on the other side eh? uh, we were, like, our tent was far away Jeez. if you know how swimming competitions go right yeah. So I'm like, oh man, oh man. So I like, I fling my jacket and I run and I fling my taxi pants and I run and I run and, I run, and, I run, and I, as I get onto the podium, the, the, the guy who was shooting the gun didn't even see that I was running. He didn't even wait for me. He just shot the gun. So he shot the gun and I dived in and I'm like, I'm in the water. I got this race. Yeah. I got this race. And as I'm diving in, my costumes are going lower and lower and lower and lower. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> not now. Um, so luckily the pool was quite deep, yeah. uh, like really deep. So I'll go all the way and I catch the ground. I pull the costume up to my shoulders and I complete the race. I finished it in, in fourth place, uh, even though not I had to do bad. all of that. Not bad. Uh, but I didn't take swimming competitively afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, the lesson is guys, don't get too much into the zone. Don't focus too much. Sometimes you must go out there and enjoy yourselves. But never give up. Yeah, never give up. Finish the race. Exactly. What are you grateful for right now? For my wife. Uh, she, she supports me. Uh, she supported me from the first event that we did. Um, she supported me last night at the event. She, she always encourages me and, and tell, pushes me to uh, do better. Alhamdulillah. And finally, your favorite Quranic verse and why? So I started this, this other website online called uh, Adventure of the Quran. And what, what I found was what I wanted this year is when I, when I wanted to read the Quran and understand the Quran, I found very good translations. I found very good websites that have translations uh, with different translations. But I didn't find one with different tafsirs and commentaries. Uh, it's good to have the website with, with, with translations, but what about the tafsirs and commentaries, you know? Yeah. So what I did was I took all the English... Uh, Qurans out there available in PDF I or digital version I, I, I looked at one ayah so I started off with Surah Al-Hujjat yeah. um, and and I looked at the first verse which is uh, do not put yourself in front of the Prophet Muhammad so, uh, so God, uh, Allah saying don't put yourself in front of the Prophet and Allah and I looked at all the different translations so it must have been if I put it into a page format about six or seven pages just on one verse wow. uh, which I feel is the, the, the proper way to go and study the Quran uh, instead of just looking at one person's view you need to look at everybody's view obviously from authentic sources yeah. but you need to see everybody's view to get a full understanding of the, of the, of, of, the, of, of the one verse yeah. and I think that verse uh, is very important because people need to get their priorities right is that whatever you're doing uh, do it, but don't put yourself uh, in front okay. of the Prophet uh, and, 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 and don't put yourself in front of God because when it comes to certain things, you have to put God and the Prophet first. Absolutely. Brother Muhammad Shohan, thank you so much for your time. 
and uh, we wish you all the best in whatever you're doing and Allah grant you guidance and barakah inshallah thank you so much I really appreciate it assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi shukran for listening we hope we added value to your life and that you enjoyed this podcast we hope our guest has helped you live your life with purpose Don't forget to forward all suggestions and feedback to info at accidentalmuslims.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You're listening to accidentalmuslims.com.